0: Nots What I'm Talking About is an NG Digital podcast. Do you want to hear fantastic interviews with names from the worlds of rock and metal? Then check out the brand new podcast from the NG Digital network. Welcome to the Metal Empire is available now at anchor.fm forward slash welcome to the Metal Empire. Episode 1 features God Eater and is available now. Hello and welcome back to Nots What I'm Talking About. It's been a while but we're back and we've got some great shows lined up for you as part of our new season. We're kicking things off with our 50th episode and this week's guest is young climate activist Liv Marshall. Liv is just 15 years old but is already well involved in climate activism. She's a part of the Nottinghamshire Youth Climate Assembly. She gave a speech at Cop twenty seven events last year. I should say, uh, she recently went down to Parliament to present a bill that she talks about in episode, and she also had an article in uh, prestigious Left Lion around the New Year, which talks about positivity and the importance of the fight. So it was great to have a chat with liv and uh, it's very inspiring to speak to these young people that are taking up the mantle of this huge climate change battle. At the moment it may feel like a losing battle, uh, but it's a battle that is worth fighting and vital to fight. So I hope you enjoy this episode. This is not What I'm Talking About with Liv Marshall. <music>
1: I'm 15 years old and I'm a climate activist from Nottingham.
0: I've been reading up a little bit about you obviously and I read uh, I think one of the things that kind of brought you to my attention was a um, piece you wrote around the new year for Left Line magazine. Yes. Which was kind of a a yeah open letter would be the best way to describe it.
1: Yeah like an open letter to young people to kind of keep us going because I think at this point there's not really much kind of helping us forward because like we'll see on the news like it seems like everything is going awfully and we're just focused on exams and exams and like there's so many stresses put on young people and so it's like how are we supposed to keep going how are we supposed to be all the things that we're told that we're going to be when it feels a little bit impossible
0: <laughs> yeah I can I can understand that it's like you say it's the news at the moment is it just feels like a constant sort of barrage of of issues and crises and what you know what everyone's worrying about what's around the next corner and uh, it can be very yeah. difficult to, to stay positive I guess in that and especially like you say for younger people who are then wondering because obviously all this going on at the minute is is going to impact the next generation and the generation after so it's exactly un-
1: like on the news all i see is about like the recession and everything and how that's gonna last for years and it's like oh right okay so how am i meant to go to uni how am i going to afford that um, and you can see at the moment um uni of manchester how they're, re- they're rent striking because their accommodation is awful And it's like okay so this is the world that i'm growing up in how am i supposed <laughs> to make myself this like how am I gonna make money? How am I gonna build a life for myself when it feels like everything if everything possible is going against me?
0: Yeah. And has what's kind of like the feedback, Ben? Have you had much feedback from people about the the article and whether that's helped them or
1: Yeah yeah it's been um quite interesting um because obviously i am still at school so i've had quite a few teachers being like oh i read you on the left lion now (laughs) which (laughs) has been it that's always quite um, an interesting interaction from teachers kind of realizing what i'm doing but everyone um who i've spoken to who's read it has been like so kind and about it and like even myself i end up reading it to be like yeah You can keep going because, like, obviously, I kind of put on this like really happy, like, oh yeah, keep going, um, persona. But even sometimes I'm like, okay, but how, how, why should, why should I keep going? But even I find myself reading it being like, oh yeah, you wrote this about a month ago. So if you, if you wrote this, then surely you can keep going and and stuff like that. And so it's just, it's been really nice. And it was like such an incredible opportunity to have.
0: Yeah I mean sometimes you do just need to give yourself that little reminder. Yeah. Obviously the, the sort of the open letter came about because of your work with the uh, Nottingham Youth Climate Assembly which you're very heavily involved in. Yeah. Um. So how did that, how did you sort yeah. of get started in the sort of climate activism work?
1: Um, well if I'm honest it's a lot of being at the right place at the right time um so I found out about the Nottingham Youth Climate Assembly through some mutual friends and at first I was very kind of like nervous about it because it's like right so I'm going for a residential weekend where I will know one person and I'm meant to stay there for the entire time about climate change it was quite overwhelming at first but when I got there everyone was lovely it was was a really uplifting experience because like obviously we were talking about really dark topics and it was a bit like you can imagine that it can get quite like. I don't know really know what the word is, but it can feel quite overwhelming. But I honestly thoroughly enjoyed it, and since then we've been promoting our manifesto, and so it's just kind of ev- going to every event that I can and seeing how it goes along. I mean, um, meeting um all the Nottingham MPs has been absolutely incredible because that is what I want to do when I'm older I really do want to be an MP and so it's been like incredible meeting the people that I have I mean we had meetings with um, the counsellors and that was just incredible because hearing like adults listen to what we're saying and take on board and be like yes we want to do this we want to kind of make this world better for you it's really kind of comforting and it's sort of just like, okay, maybe we're not as screwed as I thought
0: we were. <laughs> yeah, I think I can see that. Because obviously, you know, this isn't a new issue. It's a, you know, and it's it's our good. Yeah. Maybe, maybe on arguably the, the greatest issue of not only our lifetimes, but the lifetimes going forward, we're going to be, you know, even more impacted by what we do or don't do now. But at the moment, it can definitely feel like
1: especially
0: sort of mainstream that there's a almost a a push to to ignore it again you know we're already seeing people saying let's scrap you know net zero yeah let's yeah and obviously and that's not even looking at the the massive sort of well-funded sort of campaigns to um undermine all the climate science and evidence so i imagine it's very important to be able to speak to people and know there are people out there because if you look at it from an outsider at the the sort of media and what you hear coming out of parliament it's doesn't fill you with much hope that they're going to tackle you know even the the events like cop 27 they kind of that even that seemed to peter out a bit this year with the less attention that it's had in previous years. and
1: I mean, a lot of the time when I speak to people about climate change, it's very much, yeah, but there are other issues. Yeah. A lot of the time people are, yes, but the cost of living crisis, that's, yeah. fa- that's affecting us now. We need to fix it now. And of course, we do need to solve the cost of living crisis, but we can do that whilst also fixing climate change. For one example that I can think of um, with food, so obviously the vast majority of our food in the UK is imported. But if we were growing it ourselves and we were reducing the food miles, that would make it cost a lot less money than it would does to import from Spain or from other countries in Europe. So we'd be saving money on that, and then that would make it food so much cheaper for the consumer. And so like there are so many like ways that we can link problems together. So I think trying to see from like an intersectional point of view is so important. As you said, with COP twenty seven. Obviously, it might just be because it's not happening in the UK, but compared to COP26, there was barely any media on it. It was very much, it kind of just seemed like it was put to the side. And that is not how it should be at all because
0: the Prime Minister had to be basically guilted into going, didn't they?
1: Yeah. I mean, Rishi Sunak wasn't going to go. Yeah. And then he decided he was going to go, but he only went for like a few days of it. And it's like, it just proves that our Parliament aren't taking it seriously. And that the Tory government aren't going to do anything, which is quite frustrating. And so at the moment, I've got all my fingers crossed for a general election.
0: I think it's it's a kind of almost a vicious circle, though, isn't it? Because Parliament won't do anything, yeah. like, they won't do anything unless they see. Because at the end of the day, they think in terms of five-year vote cycles, not long-term. They're just wanting to get back in. So they're only going to really do something yeah. if they think it's a vote winner. So it's also about making the public more insistent. And that obviously, as you said before, it's very difficult for people who are wondering what their gas and electric bills are going to be in April to look much beyond, you know, some people are not able to look much beyond the next paycheck. So it's it's, exactly, about, yeah. it's about sharing the message that these things are not It's not like a a chart of this issue, this issue, this issue, this issue. These things all work together. Exactly, yeah. I think think as a society, we arguably need to get better adept at long-term thinking and not just short-term.
1: Yeah. It's not as if the UK isn't even affected by climate change as well. I mean, we all saw the awful heat wave that happened in about July time last year. It was horrendous, like... And a lot of them are like, oh, but it's just summer. And it's like 40 degrees in the UK. That is not just summer. That is a direct effect of climate change. But people are still like, oh, but we, you you got a day off school for it. Oh, yes, but you get to lay out in the sun. And it's like, if we keep having summers like that, there is no way that the UK infrastructure can like compete. We can't keep having summers like that. And even with the winters, with the cold snap that happened in... I think it was December yeah so many people we couldn't afford um like bill like everyone's saying oh yeah our bills are really high and that is of course a really bad issue but when the climate is like fighting against that and being like okay well we're going to be like negative six of course you're going to be paying more yeah and so we need to if we made it so the weather was like less drastic every two minutes then maybe we would have a better like shot of actually being able to afford it because I was quite unfortunate in the fact that my boiler broke during the cold snap um and so it was just like seven degrees every single night I ended up getting quite unwell because they couldn't kind of fix the boiler until Monday like Monday afterwards yeah because, like, and we can't afford to get some emergency, like, plumber to come in. And it's just, it's stuff like that, that obviously the cost of living crisis is so important and we really, really need to sort it out, but we also need to fix the climate crisis as well so it doesn't make it even worse, because obviously it's hard to say this, but I think if the climate was less unpredictable, cost of living crisis wouldn't be as bad as it is. obviously it would still be awful. There are so many external factors, but I think it would be would be a lot easier for people to cope with like the cold yeah. and the heat if it was predictable and it wasn't so drastic
0: definitely yeah, and it and it goes beyond and as you said, obviously, you know the climate change as you say it's already affecting this country. But then in other parts of the world, you know, it's, it's the impact it's having on food. And as you said at the beginning, exactly. you know, the amount of food we import, you know, we've seen, I think it's parts of the world where rice um, growth is massively uh, down, I believe.
1: Exactly, yeah.
0: You know, because of the, the climate and that's going to get worse. And that then you're going to also have issues with uh, displacement of people, which is only going to lead to conflict potentially
1: yeah it's so an awful vicious cycle yeah and without governments kind of looking to the future and be like okay yeah this is maybe it's not affecting us every single day now but in 10-20 years god knows where we're going to be so i think governments do need to look forward for that but because they only want to really stay in or yeah. get re-elected they're not really bothered about 10-20 years they're bothered about the next two years
0: yeah, and then we also, um, you know, I don't really want to go down this sort of the route too much, but we also we've all seen where some of the funding for some of the, the powerful politicians comes from as well.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And
0: it's and where a lot of them end up, uh, what industries a lot of them end up advising in wants to do leave as well. So it's yeah, a lot of a lot. There's a lot of uh, obstacles in the way. Yes. I bought <laughs> that. Oh, yeah. make, I mean, that just makes it, I guess, even more important to fight.
1: Yeah.
0: And I guess I think it's been clear. That,
1: in, yeah, you're right.
0: Uh, over the last I don't know, few years as well, how we, how much of a role young people are going to play in this. Obviously, it's, it's your futures even more. You know, it's your future, it's my children, my grandchildren's futures that are going to be a lot more impacted. Although I think people are not realizing, as you said earlier, this isn't something that's a lot of people. I think look at it and go. Well, that's 20, 30 years down the line. When it's not, as you said, we've already seen exactly. the impacts of it, exactly, and yeah. other parts of the world are getting it far worse. I mean, even in I mean, you don't have to look at, at well, over winter in America and some of the storms, and you know, oh the, my
1: goodness,
0: yeah, forest fires in sort of California every year, and in, in Australia, and you know, it's not yeah it's going to be a lot worse in the future but it's already bad now and we're already at exactly a, you know potentially we're at a crisis point i think or you know we're, we're exactly kind
1: of, no. and like a lot of the time with the climate change conversation um 2050 is often yeah. talked about quite a lot and i was thinking about this um in 2050 i will be 42 which is the same age as Rishi Sunak, the current Prime Minister. And i think current because God knows when it's going to change. <laughs> I, I don't even know what's going on in the House of Parliament at this point. No. Um, but the very, the current Prime Minister, as of the eighth of January, um, is 42 years old. Our lives at 42 are going to be completely different because I'm going to be living in a world where people didn't care in 2020 or in 2010. And so we kept going with fossil fuels and I'm going to be dealing with that when I'm 42. Rishi Sunak is living in Downing Street with anything he could possibly want, having God knows how much money. I don't even want to know. I don't know how to count up that far. (laughs) And like, just comparing... uh, like our lives and what it's going to be like for my friends and stuff like that. Like seeing people at my school, it's like, oh, yeah, we're not going to be able to live out on normalised as adults. We're not going to be able to go to Bali or the Maldives or anything like that because they're going to be underwater. And it's just stuff like that. It's like, why are we having that sort of fun that all the adults got? Why are we having that taken away?
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think that, again, that's again about people not thinking, uh, or not wanting to think ahead. Yeah,
1: and Rishi Sunak, he has, I think it's two children, I want to say. He definitely has some children. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, how can you look at your children and be like, yeah, I'm going to completely destroy the planet for you? Good luck. Have fun. I don't, I honestly, I have no idea how he, like, I don't know how he sleeps at night knowing that he is just destroying their futures and yeah they're going to be rich so they can still possibly go to all these nice places but that doesn't mean that they're going to be able to live out the lives that they want to do it's still going because to be world, their father decided to be money hungry
0: yeah yeah i mean but i mean that arguably filters down beyond the rich to everybody um exactly, and obviously, yeah. obviously there's different levels of things people can do and again, at this moment in time, you know, if you're wondering about, you know, what how are you gonna put food on the table next month and or how are you gonna heat your home over winter, it's very difficult to tell those people. Yeah, but you need to think yeah. about this. And but that and that comes from a you know, that's what the people at the top should be doing. <laughs> you know, that's why we of put these people in elect people in these positions to look at the issues that we don't have the time or the ability or the knowledge to understand, but you know, but and ultimately, exactly
1: like they're being paid ridiculous amounts to do the stuff that we can't do because we're trying to just get by. Yeah, but they're more bothered about saving their own money than saving ours.
0: <laughs> yeah, or make not just saving money but making more because apparently, oh yeah, millions, just not enough. So I think... Uh, I want 10. <laughs> <laughs> Talking of Parliament, I believe you you were down there earlier this week, uh, along with... Uh, yes, I was. ...with uh, one of our MPs, Nadia Whito. Um, Could you tell us a bit about yes. why you were down there? Yes,
1: yeah, so I was down there as a volunteer for Teach the Future, which is a student-led organisation campaigning for climate education and so at the moment we're trying to get our climate education bill through Parliament it was first introduced I think in December of 2021 but because it was at the end of that Parliament it didn't get through it was then reintroduced last February but because it was a 10 minute bill it didn't get read and so it, we've reintroduced it again on Tuesday uh, where Nadia Whittam tabled it um, and so we went down to Parliament basically to speak to MPs and kind of tell them why it's important because obviously I think sometimes you can be like oh yeah climate education it sounds important but how are we going to do it and so our climate education bill kind of gives the government a structure to to make it so maybe my children are taught properly about the world they're going to grow up in yeah because we, we need it and I mean if you look I mean i yeah Sorry, Um, I'm quite lucky in the fact that I am currently in school so I can see it from a first-hand perspective. You could tell me there's got, like, millions of tonnes of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, but I don't know how much it's meant to be. That, like, a number of carbon dioxide, that means absolutely nothing. But if they were teaching how it was affecting people and how we can fix it, and that's one thing that's so crucial, how we can fix it and how we can build from it, that is so important but we're completely being isolated from that and obviously i'm so i'm a triple science student and so we learn more about climate change than in combined science but i don't take geography so there's a huge amount of climate change that i'm not learning because i don't take geography and so students who excel in languages and arts and not like stem subjects are being isolated from that education that they need to grow up and be functioning adults in a world that is slightly ending.
0: Yeah. Definitely. And again, like you say there, it's it's one thing to learn, like you say, the scientific side of it. And that obviously is very important. But for a lot of people, that seems abstract and not something you can relate to. So you need to learn, as you say, the the personal impacts on on us, on society, on the planet, the long term effects it's going to have all that needs to be taught um but i think us,
1: exactly yeah
0: i feel like as well at a time this current moment where we we feel it feels like such a divisive uh world politically that the diff i feel like it's a difficult thing to get through because i'm we're seeing a lot we're going to get a lot of i imagine in the certain parts of the media a lot of pushback on anything like that about um what you know teaching this kind of thing in school, teaching, oh, yeah. you know, we're seeing this a lot in other areas, you know, we're seeing it in education around race, or education around LGBT issues, where they're talking about, uh, you know, schools teaching a message and things like that. And you're going to get the same reaction when, you know, from certain parts of the media that they, that we're um, yeah. teaching. But it's so important because it isn't, I mean... I wish we could get past this idea now that this is a debate or a discussion where there are two sides to it, because the science is—it's not even open for debate anymore. the The only question now exactly, is how, yeah. it's not what that we're doing any damage. Is how much are we doing, and how bad are yeah. going to get? But again, there's people invested, and we've we're seeing things now, aren't we, about how much money you know certain companies put into. To dirt muddy in the waters around this discussion, or outright trying to plant, plant mis- misleading evidence and things, because it was against their profits, I guess. But exactly. It, yeah. yeah it, it's. I find it staggering. I. You know. You think I always thought by now we'd be a, a, a society that accepted evidence and. Um science and experts but you know the last few years with everything the pandemic and everything has shown that's not the case unfortunately.
1: Yeah exactly and one part um, of like our campaign that I think is really important um, is like going back to the bill but in 2021 we did some research um, where we surveyed teachers and one of the questions was have you been trained to teach climate change So, do you feel adequate? Do you feel you've received adequate training as a teacher during qualification or since to educate students on climate change, its implications for the environment and societies around the world, and how these implications can be addressed? And 70% feel they have not received training on any aspects, which is worrying. Yeah. Because we can put it in the curriculum and we can make it so teachers have to teach it. But if they don't understand how to, then like we can't expect them to teach it in a way that is respectful and doesn't scare the living daylights out of us, but teaches it in a way that we take it seriously. Because I think a lot of young people in like my school particularly, they don't take climate change seriously because it's not taught properly. And that is not anything to do with the teachers because that is not their fault. It's not their fault that they don't have to teach it we're on ridiculous time schedules to get yeah. um make sure we have everything covered for our, our exams and so it's the curriculum and it's the government's fault for not having it as a high priority and for not educating its teachers on how to teach it um because like I have got my GCC exams in May and at the moment we're just trying to scram like all of the information in to the short amount of time that we do have. And so that there isn't time to teach climate change because it's not in the exams. And so a lot of schools will go, Oh, well it's not in the exams. So we don't have to teach it. We can just like skip past it. And that is not the case at all. We need to be teaching it even if it's not in um our exams. As long as like we we need to learn it in every single subject. And this if it's in exams, if it's not, we we need to learn about it.
0: Yeah, definitely. I say it's and at the minute, because you're not most I guess most children's sort of feelings about the climate change or understanding of it is likely to come of you know, there'll be an element of within your peer group, but mostly will come from I guess at home. And, yeah. You know, again, parents probably are getting most of their knowledge from The media and we've all seen the media's attitude depending on what media they're they're, uh, digesting I imagine there's a lot of people who's again parents probably don't have the time to sit and talk about it or understand it there's going to be some that are just outright you know a denialism of it or not wanting to to broach it so where are children going to learn about it other than I guess, speaking to people like yourself who are educated and understanding in it, but that's that's not a feasible approach to deal with it going forward. It needs to be taught. You know, People need to know because you're going to be living in that world and, and everything you are studying to do for the future is going to be impacted, your career or whatever you decide to do moving forward from the exams that you are doing is going to be impacted by the climate you know you you might work in an industry where you can no longer travel around because of the the climate or the impact it has or you know the costs of it and things like that so
1: exactly yeah and like obviously I've been really lucky in the fact that because I had an interest in it I took the time to research it but I can assume that people in my lessons are not, not bothered and I can't blame them I really can't blame them because if it's not being taught in school, you're not gonna, you have no time to like go home and spend yeah. hours researching it because it's like, why would you? And so I completely understand why they don't, but it shouldn't be an option. Like it shouldn't be an optional thing. It should be part of our curriculum. It should be part of our lessons. And doing six PSHE sessions on it isn't enough.
0: Yeah. So what's the next step for the, for the bill? You said that uh, uh, Nadia Whitam is. Uh, Nottinghamshire MP has tabled this, yeah. assuming that we don't have another collapse <laughs> of parliament <laughs> in the next couple of oh, yeah. months, which derails everything. And I don't know; it's hard to predict. As I think you said earlier, who will be put yeah. in six weeks? But what what does that mean for those that don't, you know, don't aren't aware with how these things work? Which I imagine is most people. Yeah. Um What does that mean? next i guess for the for the motion
1: so the next its second reading is scheduled for i think it's like the 24th of march or late march however the chances of it getting reading getting getting read um is very slim just because it's not because it's a private um bill yeah chances of getting read are very slim and so it might not get through this parliament it might not even get through the next parliament. However, it's still pressing the government to make yeah. those changes because we're getting more support for more MPs. I mean, when we were in parliament, it was like every two minutes there'd be a new MP coming in who wanted a photo. And it's building that sort of momentum so the government will listen. So even if our bill doesn't get passed, it's being put on the government's agenda and so they'll take it up themselves. But if we do get a labor government we've got a lot better chance of getting it through just because Jeremy corbyn did put it in the manifesto in 2019 and i mean part of um the motto for the labor party is uh it's like a greater greener future or something yeah, like that yeah. and so it's like we have a lot better chances if there was a change in government but even if it doesn't get through, it's still bringing attention to it, which is really important. Yeah,
0: I think that's that's the main thing, isn't it? We, people have got to keep pressing the government to do something. Yeah. That's the only thing that will make them do it. Like I said, if they think it's going to cost them at the um, ballot box. <laughs> so, oh, yes. Um, so before I wrap up, I just wanted to mention, obviously, you, you've launched... Uh, I guess it's a, a an event called Fridays for Future, which is in the I think the Market Square at four pm on a Friday. So is that, and can you just tell us a little bit about what that event or what that's about?
1: Yeah, so Fridays for Future is a worldwide campaign started by Greta Thunberg. Right. Yeah. So I'm sure everyone has seen her protest outside of the town hall that she does in Sweden. Um. So that's basically where it stemmed from. And so every Friday we sit on the council house steps with our little signs and just for an hour and we don't have speeches. We just sit there and just kind of, because we're outside of the council house, we're kind of just, we're showing the council that we want change and we're not going to go away. Yeah. And just every week in just showing that we're consistent and we want that change and we're not going to be silent about it. So we will sit there um, and so it's a really like laid-back environment and I think protests like that where they're small and there's not loads of loud noises and there's not drumming I think it can be good for people who don't go to protest a lot mm-hmm. because I mean obviously I spoke at the COP27 rally but they are incredibly like I think they can be quite scary because lots of people who are angry about a certain topic and it can feel quite overwhelming but yeah. The Fridays for Future protests are very much laid back. We just sit there, have a chat. Sometimes we've got snacks. um, And it's just an easy way to get involved in climate activism that doesn't involve shouting or sticking yourself to the motorway. It's kind of just an easy way for people who don't really want to go very extreme with it or don't want to go public with it.
0: But want to support, yeah. And I I take it people can just turn up at four o'clock on Friday at this council house, outside the council house. And again, say it's 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 basically it's about making people aware sort of ways and awareness and as you say yeah. keeping that in the the council knowing this we care about this issue we're not just gonna let you ignore it.
1: Yeah and I mean we are quite lucky in the fact that the Nottingham City Council does take it seriously. Obviously we have the carbon neutral 20, 2028 yeah. plan um currently for nottingham So we are quite lucky and it has been taken quite seriously by the government, well, not by the government, by the council, but just persisting. And also kind of just reminding the public that it's there because everyone walks through Market Square. I think like I've probably spent a year there, just if you collected all the times I've spent there, it probably end up being like a year and I'm only 15. So that's a 15th of my life spent at Market Square. There's so many people going through that, and so just kind of keeping it on their minds, and like even if they just read a sign and then they keep going with their day, that's going to be in the back of their head.
0: Yeah, and you're not as they
1: go that... along with their day, and so it's just reminding them.
0: You're not going to get the same problem that the the sort of bigger ladder protests have that they that some people just immediately sort of ignore it, turn against it, sort of you know it does. Yeah. Not in a lot of people, unfortunately, you know, the need for protest is important despite the government's attempts to, you know, shut it down. Oh yeah. And but unfortunately, a lot of people do immediately kind of get the back up about that kind of protest. Uh, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, when you the stuff in the on the motorways and things like that, unfortunately, it's a brilliantly raises awareness, but it also raises a lot of um anger against it, which I guess the what you're doing. Doesn't he say someone can walk past, see the sign? uh, It's then it's in their head, but then they can just go on with their day. So they're being made aware of it without being agitated by it, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's really important to kind of speak to the public instead of like shouting at them. If someone's shouting at me, I'm not going to (laughs) listen. Yeah.
0: No. Yeah. But
1: I think if you're having the actual conversation with them, You've got a better chance,
0: better chance. Brilliant. Yeah, and I think, and ultimately, it's uh, the only way, reason we're going to get change is through the public. You yeah, know, hopefully, the public enough because, public support. Like have the power. Yeah, and hopefully, we can get it can get to that point uh, before. Well, I mean, I was going to say before it's too late, but we're we're already too late in some aspects. But yeah, how too late? How much? You know, climate change is the impact's going to be huge. It's how huge we let it get. I think.
1: Yeah. And it's better late than never Yeah. making the changes to fix it.
0: You can, yeah, I mean, you can't can't turn the clock back, but you can mitigate it as much as possible. And we can, you know, it's never too late to do Exactly, yeah. Excellent. Well, um, thank you very much for your time. It's been great uh, talking to you. Of course. Very inspiring. I think one of the main things I've seen with the climate actually is (laughs) very inspiring seeing young people you know, it shouldn't just be young people, but it is inspiring seeing people, and hopefully, yeah. hopefully it inspires others. a huge thank you there to Liv for taking time out to talk to us Uh, some really inspiring stuff and very interesting uh, things we found out in that episode Uh, climate change is such a huge, huge issue Um, I was going to say world-defining, arguably world-ending and it's vital we keep up the pressure to get something done about it and it's very inspiring uh, to see the work some of these young people are doing to do that, after all, as was said in the episode They're the people and the generations on from them that are going to be really hit by it. Although we're obviously seeing the effects already. Uh, So, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Next week, we've got the Not's Bad Movie Club. Uh, We've got the three guys behind that chatting to us about that. If you're not familiar with that, check it out on Facebook. Search for Not's Bad Movie Club. They put on events that and is showing some... uh, so bad they're great movies uh, previous films they've shown have included street fighter mortal Kombat, mac and me troll 2 and they've got uh, more events coming up that was a great chat and i think they're doing such a great fun thing we've got more shows coming up so be sure to check us out you can find us as ever on uh, facebook at facebook.com forward slash not what i'm talking about we're at, uh, at NWITA underscore podcast on Twitter, and you can find all the podcast episodes at anchor.fm forward slash nots so what I'm talking about. So thanks for joining us. We're glad to have you back after our time away, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Not so What I'm Talking About. Not What I'm Talking About is an NG digital podcast.